to the weekly cooldown. I am Kami Jace, your host for another episode. If you're joining us for the first time, this is, of course, the show where we get to know the gaming news of the week and we get to know our guest. It is episode 119 of the weekly cooldown and it is February 26. And as I've said in the past three episodes that you've definitely listened to, thank you very much for doing that, by the way. This is Black History Month, which means that we are going to talk about black things and not at all about the actual news that happened this week. Um, yeah, I'm flipping the script, but it's only for a month and you can deal with it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been one of the more productive. So this is my second year doing this, uh, format and it's been the, second year that it's been really really good and it's been productive and and uh i've gotten a lot of feedback from you all and i appreciate that um and i appreciate you guys listening to it it's um everyone seems to be learning something and taking something away from it so this is why i do it for you and for me and for hopefully the entire world someday i'm gonna save the world you know you guys know that right of course you do thanks um anyway (laughs) We're going to get started. Um, we're going to jump right in, as always. And I have one amazing guest. I'm very excited to have uh, her here. Um, she's she's wonderful, and and I'm excited. So please welcome. Uh, we know her on the internet as Briggsy Cakes. Hola. Hello. <laughs> how are you, Briggsy? Good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I just had a delicious pasta dish, so I'm feeling mm. quite nice now. So what I, kind of pasta? I, I made this like uh, chimichurri pasta with steak and mm. because I had completely forgot to eat all day because I've just been busy the entire day. And so I was like, so an hour before the podcast, I'm like, I should probably eat. <laughs> and then I got into another together. game of Overwatch. And then after that, I was mm. like, I should probably eat. Mm-hmm. And then I did another <laughs> game of Overwatch. And then I'm like, it's 445. Maybe I should eat. Perhaps eating. I did not eat. Um, So that's why you saw me before, just like nomming on some stuff. I have no discipline whatsoever when it comes to video games. Honestly, it's it's, um, totally fine because just before the show, I saw people loading up the uh, Outriders demo, which is out today. Oh, yeah. I think uh, my friend Al was talking about that. And I was very uh, concerned and confused about the amount of people loading it up because I was thinking like people know about this game <laughs> and so Josh i decided <laughs> and so i just decided to give it a quick try myself um and i did not get very far into it um i already have some negative opinions about it Ooh. but um you know you know we'll get there we'll get there but i i too was like i should play a video game before the podcast and um that was it that was the one i decided to to give a go and um my main gripe about it, as is with most games as of late, is the character creator. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this. I thought, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of bad so, when Pit Crew is more inclusive than a video yeah. game at this point. Hello? Like, um, the, the character creator in this game once again this is outriders so it's a square enix uh kind oh, of oh you now strike one square yeah enix. okay strike there one. you go yeah right um it's a square enix kind of co-op mm. shooter with some kind of out worldy supernatural space elements to it that's strike two um, <laughs> and the character creator has everything based on preset face options 
Um, and strike three. Yeah. Everything oh. is based on preset face options. Um, like the first face option, of course, is like a, 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 a white person <laughs> with, you know, um, I called it in my last episode, fine stranded hair. Um, and <laughs> it's just not, it, it's, it's just, you know, the, the standard of beauty we expect, of course, in these types of games and then the darkest you can be on any preset is usually like not passing the brown paper bag test, except for two presets, which seem to be for black people. Um, and it, it doesn't make sense to do it that way. It just doesn't. So it's, it's, it's kind of hilarious to me because even on my best relaxed day, I will never, ever get that hair. And it used to confuse me as a kid because I never realized that a lot of the you know black women I looked up to with their beautiful hair, I didn't realize they were wigs until much much right. later mm-hmm. i just thought i was doing something wrong when my hair was right. relaxed i thought i messed up and the other thing i noticed was especially when it came to having black characters was the rampant colorism because like mm-hmm. i don't know if you see pictures of me i'm like in between like i'm not light-skinned but i'm also not super dark skin i'm definitely like right. medium i blame my mom for that because she is charcoal and my dad is somewhat <laughs> pale but oh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hilarious. The combination is great. Because um, I just I knew all about the rampant colorism and everything in regard. Mm-hmm. So it's bad enough that's happening within our community, but it's just even worse when you see it outside there. When it's like, you know what, we're gonna meet the uh, we're gonna meet the quota of blacks in our game. Right. And I say that in that way for a reason. It's like we're gonna have this many colors here. This is what we're gonna have. Yeah. We're gonna have two, and we're good. And then right. we're going to put out a press release saying that if we do any more, uh, we'll blame it on uh, time. And it t- just takes a while to, you know, put the color in. It's just too much <laughs> right. time. We just wanted to get the game out to the players. And these same brands will then go out and say, you know, Black History Month is a time to celebrate those who yeah. have made history in our country. And I said, who are you talking about? Name one black person. <laughs> name one. Name one. And don't just say one. George in accounting who works in your department. No, name yeah. one. You know, it's it's very I want I don't want to say I'm cynical about it, but it's because I'm not. It's just you think you'd figure they'd learn by now. Yeah. Or even if they were going to go the route that they did with with these kind of preset faces that can only go as dark as the preset will allow. Right. Perhaps then you would also add, you know, the like the kind of black desert online kind of uh mm-hmm. character creator where you can you know uh morph the lips and morph the nose and you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. really make it yours not theirs right. you know what i mean um but it's not about I, us if correct anything. and i think that's what people are not understanding when we make these points um when game companies especially those who make triple a games when they make these kind of things I think people are not understanding how many years it took for them to even get to that bare minimum. Mm, mm -hmm. And I also think that, not that I'm saying people shouldn't celebrate, because again, it's just nice to see. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll probably get to this later as to why I'm still sort of frustrated with the industry as a whole when it comes to representation of video games. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just that what I was afraid of this Black History Month, especially, is that the bare minimum was still going to be reached. But I think instead of it being companies and brands, because they're slowly learning, like I'm at like, oh, that's adorable stage. 
of seeing mm-hmm. this kind of advocacy now. I'm like, oh, you did it. All right. Let's, you know, that's cute. I like it. <laughs> um, but I'm seeing it more in journalism. That sort mm. of like bare minimum thing. Whereas, right. you know, the brands are, you know, they took a step. So I'm going to give them props for that. They did take a step. Um, but especially when it comes to being represented in games and just being limited in literally creating your own character. Because that's us saying, you know what? If you don't want to create this character for us, we can do it. Just give us the mm-hmm. options. We'll do it ourselves. And even then, they don't want to follow through with that. When, as far as I'm concerned, I'm no game development expert. It shouldn't take that much time to add a few more colors. But that's just right. Or even in again in the case of Outriders, a few more hairstyles. Yeah. Um, even the I guess black hairstyles that they've added. Um, the fact seem that you just have had to say I guess scares me. Because it, it still has that kind of like, uh, if I guess it, if I could put it this way, it's kind of ambiguously black, <laughs> and I hate saying that even. No, I, I get it. I can because it, that. you know, it is a dreadlocks hairstyle, and you can tell that it's a dreadlocks hairstyle, but the front of it still has these kind of fine stranded curls to it, or something like that. So, like, Maybe it's like they're the black canary route in the gray. Maybe that was it. <laughs> hey, you know, it was I, pretty I, hairstyle. I just didn't know what it was. I, w- I would not blame them, but um, <laughs> it just <laughs> seems kind of, it just seems kind of like they're toying with the idea of there possibly being a black person in this game, right? Like they're not committing to it. They're just kind of. P- pushing it out there and say, what do you think this guy is? <laughs> like, you know yeah, what I mean? They're not letting you make that decision. And it sucks because I can understand to a point that they don't want to uh, jump into that sort of conversation without proper, I would like to say, um, guidance. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better word, I can understand that. But, you know, they make so much money off of us. Like, it really isn't mm. hard to, mm-hmm. you know, hire people to do this for you. Or And if you can't find the people, why don't you teach them how to do it? I feel like the lack of investment in training and education is really what frustrates me about gaming communities and gaming mm-hmm. companies. It's that Absolutely. a common thing, even in corporations, even corporations know this, and they still make the same mistake, that it's going to cost you less to train somebody in what you'd like to do than it is to basically do whatever you want in that regard it's always going to cost you less to do that training somebody is going to always be beneficial in the long run but for Mm -hmm. some reason a lot of you know a lot of corporations are very short-sighted in that regard and the only conclusion that everyone has come to which you know time and time again has been expressed is just you know a lot of the industry is just a white supremacist industry it's just full of it's just dominating with white people. It's cis white men's, you know, white women, everything. It's just there's not enough diversity and inclusion, they like to call it. And again, I'll mm-hmm. get to that later. And again, it's just, it's simply because of, you know, America and, you know, a lot of other Western countries who are used to having the majority in terms of, you know, everything frankly, right. just white people having the majority and having the ability to have that sort of power. And it's right. happening since time was time. And so why would they give it up that easily? Right. You know, why make that effort? Even though or why stop uh, uh, catering to the supposed um, player base, as it were? Exactly, which makes no sense to me, because I think that's why, especially with my position as education lead, I'm trying to express to people that it's not sustainable, because mm-hmm. that's not how it works. If people look to statistics, you know, white people are going to be the minority in like less than a decade if things right. keep up. 
and they're mm-hmm. not getting this. They're not understanding mm-hmm. this. And or maybe they do and they're just panicking. You know, because right. you know, America, you know, last thing anybody in America wants is to lose their sort of power. You know, right. Mm-hmm. But no. And I think there's a lot of things that secret. And I think one of the issues with social media and just talking about this subject in general is that there is a lot to take in as to why things are the way they are. And it's very easy to simplify it. But I think, again, it's just boils down to education has just failed the majority of people here and all around the world. They just don't know anything other than what has been happening. And they don't care to know because unless it directly affects them negatively and in a way that they consider it worth a change, nothing's going to happen. So I, it's, I could go on and on about this, but that basically is why the bare minimum is usually met in this regard, because people are just used to white supremacy. Point blank. Right. Absolutely. Um, we will definitely touch on that a little bit more, but you did mention that you are the education lead. Yes. Um, so I do want to get into what it is you do, um, just so that everyone else knows. Um, oh, sure. So you are the community writer for Hotspawn Esports, is that correct? I am. Um, I had to take a couple months off to for personal reasons, but mm-hmm. yeah, my position is basically um it's kind of evolved a little bit because now i'm more of an investigative journalist it doesn't just simply because mm. i pitched the i pitched it to hotspot and i said you know i can focus on the community i could focus on you know black creators you know esports why we don't have more black people in it i could do all that and they bid it they were very i was very grateful for them to be um for them having me to do that and what i found difficult in that regard is that unfortunately the only professional black esports player in anything or let me rephrase that more well most well-known one is cuddlecore mm-hmm. in the fighting game community right and she's a very lovely woman very sweet i actually did an interview with her last week and it horrified me because at least in overwatch league there were at least two there was kodak from germany who played for mm-hmm. the atlanta rain and even coached there before he retired and then before that in season one there was snow who played for the boston uprising well i say played loosely because they barely put him in there um mm. which made no sense because he actually was a solid support um but basically my job there is just to honestly i've brought in that to bring a lot of these injustices to light i sound like i sound like such a fake activist when i say that <laughs> but it's i just I always, in terms of journalism, I've made a promise to myself and to anyone who has, you know, graciously given the time to read my work that I, integrity above all, I am all about telling the truth, mm-hmm. finding the truth, even if I don't like it. I don't like uh, exploiting the people I interview. I don't enjoy pushing them just so I can get a story. I don't enjoy uh, ma- gossip. Gossip bores me. So, yeah, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of the time with the sports journalism, a lot of the stuff I read is basically gossip, what streamers mm-hmm. doing this, and I'm sitting mm-hmm. here like, I really don't care. Like, they do the same thing every day, and it, it personally abhors me. If it is something that others enjoy, fine. I just think there's a lot more interesting things that we could talk about and fix in order to make esports and gaming much better for everyone. Right. So that's pretty much what I do for Hot Spawn. And I've got a lot coming up in March that I'm actually pretty excited about. So, yeah. Yes. Um, 
And then I'm the education lead for Queer Women of Esports, which mm-hmm. is basically a nonprofit who aims to make esports inclusive for everyone, for queer queer people, for women, for everyone. And by taking a job as the education lead, my goal is to basically incorporate current events, history, and basically generally just advocate for more education for anyone wanting to get involved in esports. Because my thing is we can't solve a problem unless we know what we did in the past in the first place. And I think a lot of people, especially with social media being what it is, I think a lot of people who rely on that, which frankly is a great majority of us, we have memories of goldfish. We tend to Mm -hmm. scroll through, we doom scroll, we get the news from there, and we form our opinions from that. And I can't tell you how many times I want people to just pick up a book, to read another article. And don't get me wrong, I understand how people are you know, not trusting of the mainstream media after they brought Trump into existence. And I get that. But I feel like people need, I want to kind of motivate people to go outside Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and, you know, read history. So I think that's definitely important in esports because I think a lot of that gets lost since gaming in general has gone beyond an escape route. You know, there's politics in video games everywhere. I mean, Call of Duty. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Call of Duty absolutely. is all I've about politics and war. Let me tell Overwatch you is about politics and war. Like, all if of the FPS games. If like, you've listened to this show, you know that yeah, what I've said. Exactly. Every, politics is in every piece of media you ever pick up, ever. Exactly. Like, there's politics in Pokemon, okay? I can point yeah. it out to you. I'll write a dissertation on it. You will read it. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and I think it's like, I think it's become cool for people to act cynical and be like, well, we know about this and it's just better for me to bitch about it on social media and do nothing about Mm -hmm. it. And Mm -hmm. frankly, that's obnoxious to me. I I don't enjoy that. I think there is a healthy discussion to be had in regards to how efficient our government, you know, our social economic status has been. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of conversations that could be had about that. That being said, I think that there's way too many people being cynical or feeling as if they can't do anything about it, especially with non-black people, especially Mm -hmm. with non-black people. Um, They feel as if they can't do anything. And that makes me very sad because if anything, they could do more, much more. And instead, we find ourselves still in positions where we have people like ninja who says well what do you want me to do about it i donated money i've donated my time i've helped other content creators what else do you want me to do and in my head i'm already thinking well if you have to brag about it clearly you're not doing this for the yeah exactly yes i don't brag about everything i do i don't post on twitter all the things i've donated or the charities i've done why would i need to do that if you also have to beg the question, then mm. clearly you haven't done enough, right? Like, right. if you have to sarcastically beg the question, if you have to, in in the ca- most recent case, um, I, I believe this was a month or a week before Black History Month, uh, where he put out that interview, which we yeah. I think we spoke about on the first ep- uh, first series we did in uh, for this mm. in February, um, where he said 
basically to a lot of black women, like I've done the work and the black woman said, no, you didn't. And he said, yes, I did. And he kept doubling down and kept, kept, you know, pushing back and fighting back. It, It seems to me that if you have to defend yourself that hard, you should maybe look inward instead of pointing the finger back outward right like Uh, it's privilege it's Mm -hmm. it's what happens when people aren't used to being criticized right um i mean i'm used to being criticized my whole life i mean i'm I'm used to that Mm -hmm. um but it's weird because personally i also don't like others being put in that situation no matter Mm -hmm. what race you are um so it's difficult for me to reconcile me wanting people to see how it feels to be put in that position and then not wanting them because I know personally it feels like shit. That being said, people like Ninja are the reason why I don't like talking to people. Mm. They're the reason why I don't enjoy um, exposing myself a lot on social media like most people like to. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my friend mentioned how I have a persona on Twitter where I'm, you know, very blunt very honest, very open and everything like that. Whereas in real life, I'm actually pretty, uh, I'm pretty closed off Mm -hmm. and I tend to not really trust people as easily. Um, and I think it's due to my own personal experience, uh, because I was first known as a super fan for the Overwatch League, um, for the Los Angeles Valiant and they would use my face. They would use my picture. They would use, and I didn't care because, you know, I just went there to have fun. I didn't care about anything else. Mm -hmm. But because of the gatekeeping and all of this drama, you know, amongst young people, kids even, you know, I got sucked up into that and it turned into this traumatic incident that frankly almost killed me. Hmm. You know, like I almost attempted suicide because of it. And not almost, I did. It's just, you know, it's hard to talk about even now. Absolutely. Um, But a part of it is, is just that, especially after george floyd was murdered last year the first thing in my head was for a company to use me so much what would happen if i died mm-hmm. what would happen if i got shot mm-hmm. would you still use my face to promote an agenda to get people to empathize with your company to right like would people who were you know who saw me as, you know, something else, would they be like, oh my God, I knew her. Would people who I barely talked to say, I knew her, she was lovely, blah, blah. You know, I wonder about that. Right. And it's just very difficult to be in this space sometimes. Like, I've seen a lot of progress. I've seen a lot of my friends, I've seen a lot of my acquaintances do so well in promoting a more inclusive space for us. And it makes me so proud. Yep. But I know that as much as I'm able to talk and host and stuff, I know that the arena that I can fight the best is in journalism. Mm. And the problem with that is, is that again, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not impressed with a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Like there's only certain people that I can say I can genuinely respect as journalists. Mm-hmm. at least in esports and gaming. And, you know, that also includes all the old heads. You know, I think a lot of the old heads especially have grown entitled. And the best example of this is Richard Lewis, when I think, I can't even remember initially how it started, but he just ended up blocking everyone 
even if no one ever spoke to him or talked to him who was involved in Overwatch. Hmm. I still, to this day, don't know why. And this happened two years ago. And I was curious, and I checked, and he had blocked me. I had never spoken to this man in my life. Mm -hmm. I had no idea who he was. But apparently he was a big esports journalist. And the first thing I said, I don't want to be like him. I don't want to be that person who has such a paper mentality that any sort of criticism is going to bring me down. Because when I wrote my first article for Hot Spawn, a lot of people accused me of being an alcoholic. They mm. said, well, if you went through that trauma and you almost killed yourself, why are you writing about this? You're fine now. And mm -hmm. I said, oh, so you wanted me dead. That's, that's what you're saying. Because right. I feel like this would only have an effect on you if I was actually dead. So you don't want me to get better. And that's when I kept thinking, okay, so when we're talking about black trauma, when we're talking about racism in the workplace, when we're talking about microaggressions, when we're talking about the things that are done to us in this space because of our skin color, mm -hmm. you don't want to know about it unless we're dead. Right. I see. It's like so not talking about well you basically said it not talking about the actual trauma what leads up to right. the eventuality that is death right and I think that is a major issue and I'm like wow even in esports it's right. that serious okay right. so I took a new approach I said you know what I'm just going to tell you the truth as to what's going on I don't mm -hmm. care about your feelings anymore I don't mm -hmm. care about whether you're comfortable or not I'm over it because most of my life, I like to make sure everybody else is okay before me, which obviously, as you know, if you lived any sort of life, there have, there are downsides to that. Sure. And especially as a black woman. Absolutely. Because, you know, as black women, we are generally nurturing, comforting. We're very stern. We want to make sure everything's okay. We're just, we're always like that. But we also know that we have to take care of ourselves mm -hmm. because this is what happens. And after seeing those reactions, that's when I changed the way I looked at journalism and esports. I said, well, you're no different than any other journalism, but I'm going to do everything in my power, at least with my work. And after reading work from people like Gita Jackson, from Ash Parrish, to seeing, mm -hmm. you know, them writing excellent work. Like, I love Ash's sense of humor. I can't stop reading her writing. Mm -hmm. And Gita's just been a mainstay. I've looked at her work for years. Like, I've just read, I just ate everything up that she's read. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that, I'm like, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to do my own thing. Right. Because Absolutely. I know. And it sounds like such an empowerment thing, but it, I think it needs to be expressed more because, again, a combination of just me not being generally moved by most things that are written about esports, as well as just getting the reactions I've gotten for my very first piece. I just said, mm -hmm. you know what? That's it. And I think that's what's missing in journalism right now. I really just think that people talk too much about gossip and the wrong topics when there are bigger issues involved here. Right. I It's interesting you say that. Um, so I just wrote a piece for a journalism, uh, or excuse me, a video games journalism online publication by the name of uh, Upper Crit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wrote a, basically about how Video games tend to kind of skirt around the issue of race and racism, except with the very specific uh, um, 
example that is Mafia 3, which kind of puts the issue of racism, um, its effects on both black and white communities and a city um, and society as a whole. It puts it right in your face. It holds no punches. It really, you know, gives gives you everything that you would have experienced if you were a black person growing up in the 1960s in the South. Right. It gives you every single punch it can give, and it really doesn't pull any. Um, and my thesis in that story was basically that if a game is going to discuss race and go about showing racism, it needs to do it in such a way as Mafia 3, where it's showing you everything. It's terrible. It feels terrible. You feel kind of terrible playing yeah. it. But you know what? At the end of the day, first of all, you're probably having fun anyway, because <laughs> it's still a video game. Well, and yeah, secondly, exactly. you're getting this kind of history lesson in in the way that most history teachers might say uh you know walk in another person's shoes right you're not reading about it you're not watching a movie about it where someone else is playing it you are the player you are mm -hmm. playing this person's life and you are experiencing this person's life right and i was um I, I was afraid almost to to kind of say like we should show more racism in video games basically right. um because it feels like one of those takes it first of all it, feel, it felt molten lava to write about it just it right. felt like a molten lava take to write about it's not easy but but at the same time like you i took the approach of this is my opinion and also this is kind of the truth as it were right this is what people probably need to hear is that sometimes your media is not going to feel good. It's not going to coddle you. It's not going to give you a hug all the time. Um, and in, in taking that approach, it not only felt like kind of liberating, I guess, but it also um, just kind of, I, th I think, opened up some other people's eyes. I got a lot of feedback saying like, wow, you know what? You're absolutely right about that. Um, yeah. So in, in in the same way that you say um, your approach of journalism is one of truth and just, you know, not holding back, I think that is should be true, rather, of all journalists everywhere. Um, video games, as, almost especially, um, as you said, the, a lot of the time it's like some streamer said this and then he got banned. Um, <laughs> Who cares? I don't care. Like, just don't watch him. Like, I, I don't right. get it. We, I, we, there's more of a landscape for bigger and better stories um, alongside the, hey, guess what new game is coming out and you're going to really love it. And, you know, there's there's space for that, mm -hmm. for that kind of hard hitting um larger journalism and you're right it it's it's uh it's something we need <laughs> yeah and it, this isn't me entirely bashing those particular articles because i understand why because if esports wants to be seen the same way as you know the mainstream media mm -hmm. um you're gonna have you know the celebrity fluff you know, sure. you know our celebrities would be streamers and would be professional esports athletes um We'll have your gossip columns, which, like you mentioned, some streamers said the N-word for the umpteenth time and no word on whether they'll be back on Twitch, things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There is a place for them, and I get it, because I know there's, unfortunately, an audience who thrives on that schadenfreude and who, you know, 
enjoys it. I mean, we've had it since timeless time. You know, sure. we used to, you know, when I was a kid, I watched the Maury show. I watched, you know, Jerry Springer. I watched all those talk shows because it was the same thing. It's like a train wreck. You're just fascinated by it. But for me, as I got older, it just was more, it got more harder to watch because you realize they're real people, you know, with real feelings and things mm-hmm. like that. And so that's when that sort of steam died out for me. But I think the difference in esports is, you know, save for maybe a few, there really isn't much in the way of like hard hitting news that people pay attention to. Right. And a good example is Blizzard. Blizzard, you know, has not been the best company in the world at all by any means. I feel like the past few years, they've just been dropping the ball since the massive layoffs they did, you know, two years ago. One of my friends was actually affected by that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden boast about how they've made millions and millions of dollars when the staff they do have can barely eat. Right. And I'm like, hmm. it's 2021 now. Like, you can't throw these stories at us and we can say, oh, that's how corporations are anymore. You know, accountability has to be had or you'll have a, you know, a sexual assault scandal and instead of, you know, having a proper investigation, you know, with interviews, with, you know, evidence, with things like that, you have a tweet where you say a year after this event occurred, you know, we laid them off at time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's stuff like that that really infuriates me because... It's not as if these organizations in esports and gaming, it's not as if they don't have the money to do this. It's not as if they aren't capable of affording these sorts of departments that could investigate, that could allow this sort of thing. They just choose not to. Right. And I still genuinely believe the only reason they got on, frankly, the bandwagon for Black Lives Matter and for Black History Month is because George Floyd got murdered and people Mm -hmm. were upset. Rightfully mm-hmm. so. But this was happening long before then. I've come to terms with the fact that change does take time. A lot of time. Decades. And I've also come to terms with the fact that I'm not going to find peace in my lifetime. It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. Like, humans take centuries to reach any sort of enlightenment. Sure. You know, if we live by that. So mm-hmm. I've come to terms with that. It doesn't mean that it makes me any less upset when I still see things like this happen. Right. When I see community members just feel let down by their organizations after all the time they've invested into them. When I see, you know, black boys and girls just afraid to log on to their computers and play their games because they're afraid of being called the N-word. Mm-hmm. When I see people who worked in graphic design their whole lives, who've drawn their asses off, who've put their art on Twitter to hopefully see one, you know... Uh, gaming company see their work and say you know what let's hire you only to find out that you know they probably hired some white chick with half the talent (laughs) right because that's how it works Mm -hmm. and then you have that when you point that out and you have non-black people say well we work just as hard why shouldn't we you know and i'm like because unfortunately you are automatically at a place of privilege since Mm -hmm. you were born the same way that we are at an automatic disadvantage when we were born it's a balance the thing is that's not the balance that will be sustainable 
Right. And people are not getting that. Mm-hmm. And with both of my positions, that's what I'm trying to make people understand. But again, I'm not going to sit here and lead a horse to water and make them drink. If you don't want to learn, I can't teach you anything. But right. for those people who genuinely do, that's what gives me hope. There are places for you, and one of them is wherever Briggsy is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, if you give me food, not I'm more than accommodating. <laughs> I'm a very easy woman to please. You know what? Same. <laughs> Absolutely same. Especially. Yeah, forgive the rambling. It's just that I can. No, it's it's go on about this here. nonsense forever. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Um, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get back into the rest of the show. So stick around and uh, we'll be right back. In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and I'm the host of Some Kind of Brown. I was born and bred in the Southern Bible Belt of the US and if you know anything about the South, growing up multiracial was some kind of an experience. Join me in this community where I share my stories, am joined by guests who share their own, and talk about pop culture events that affect us as mixed people. You can find Some Kind of Brown on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and most places you find podcasts. I'll see you there with some more Shades of Brown. Is that an ice cream <laughs> Take Up Space podcast is where we discuss self-awareness and growth while learning to advocate for ourselves. There are many instances where we shrink ourselves to make the people in our world feel comfortable at the expense of our thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and voice. Join us every Tuesday on YouTube and wherever podcasts are found for new episodes. We also go live on Facebook and YouTube on Thursdays. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Take Up Space Pod for more info. That's Take Up Space P-O-D. Thanks for listening. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. So, it's time to get into the rest of the show. We've already touched on some of those points, but we're still going to do it because it's important to do. So, what we're going to talk about is black people in video game media and journalism, um, as we discussed already, um, but uh, perhaps a little bit more pointed this time. Um, So... As many of you know, I am a freelance journalist myself. Um, I have the the degree to prove it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I I do a lot of writing. Uh, I do this show, which is my, kind of my my video game journalism love. Um, I have not really applied anywhere to do real hard hitting video game journalism yet, but this podcast is kind of my way of getting. Uh, scratching the itch let's say um and i still want to hopefully at some point get into the bigger adult world of video game journalism so this is as much for me as it is for some of you so briggsy are you ready for these semi-hard-hitting questions (laughs) i have no choice now my cat has just sat on my lap and i'm (laughs) hostage so uh, i cannot move for at least 10 minutes so we're good then you are 
uh, liable to answer these questions. Yep, I have no choice. The first of which, <laughs> the first of which, which t- or rather, what tips do you have for Black people entering the video game journalism space? I think the biggest tip I have is don't compromise. Um, it's very difficult when you have an agenda to have more Black voices involved in mm. media and journalism. There are a couple of fears that you could have. Um, one fear is that if you want to enter a space, that you have to tone it down. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is anyone who's black, and especially with black women, if you even raise your voice like one iota, mm. you're considered loud and aggressive. Right. And I know I can be rambunctious and whatnot, but I feel like I've calmed a lot over the past mm-hmm. 10 years. Like, I'm definitely a lot calmer than I used to be. But I did notice even now, even when I'm talking in this tone, and even when I'm speaking as calm as possible, that I'm seen as aggressive if I even show an iota of self-worth or Mm -hmm. self-respect. I think if you're going to break into any field that's white-dominated, you have to be yourself. Right. You cannot fake it because they will sniff it out. They will already take advantage of the fact that you are black for you know their diversity quota Mm -hmm. they will try to um limit you at least from my personal experience not with hot spawn they've been lovely but i've had experiences in the past in journalism where they would try to limit me because they felt that the work that i would do would be too alienating to Mm -hmm. the humor base what they were trying to say is that i would offend white people And I would respond to them, well, I have to meet a quota to offend this number of white people every day. And if I don't meet my quota, then I'm not really doing my job. So I don't know what else to tell you. (laughs) But the thing is, you are here generally for a reason. You were born into this body for a reason. Mm -hmm. Black people are magic. You need to understand and harness that magic. Do not be afraid to train yourself in anything they're not willing to train you in. Don't Mm. be afraid to have standards as to what you want. You have to pay your bills. You have to do your work. You have to have personal time and work time balanced properly. And if you don't, you're going to burn. Mm -hmm. So you need to remember that the basics that you see other people have, especially white people have when it comes to vacation, when it comes to pay, when it comes to having personal time, you need to understand that you have the rights to that too. You deserve more than what you are getting, and you should 100% fight for it. And if Mm -hmm. a company does not give that to you, do not work for that company. And if you can't find that, start your own company. Mm. If you want something done, do it yourself. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to fight so hard for this. But if there's one thing that makes anyone who has wronged you mad, is is when you empower yourself. Right. That is actually part of the reason again why this podcast exists and uh, like you know uh think to yourself how many uh black-led video game journalist podcasts there are just mm-hmm. count them there's maybe three including maybe. me <laughs> and i've been on a few podcasts and i think this was honestly the first one i remember being on other than um another podcast i did with amanda stevens and aaron smith mm. like last year um i think it was mute your mic and it was a lovely podcast, but that was literally the only other one I was on. Yeah. Featured black people. That's a it problem. Is, 
it's uh, a landscape that is filled with white men in their older than me's and um i'm 28 so think about that um um, and it's always i'm sorry to say this i love like i truly do love the people who are out there doing the ign videos and all that stuff but they you're all the like same white guy i'm sorry you are you're clones of a clone of a clone and now i'm here so (laughs) again i wouldn't mind it so much if it wasn't the same thing it just yes I feel like there's no inspiration anymore other than that. And it just bores me because when it comes to creativity, as much as I'm obviously more biased towards, you know, anything black, because duh, because we're just magic. I just wish that people were more creative with their work or at Mm -hmm. the very least take advantage of your own unique style. Because what that's telling me is that they don't have a unique style. They're just plain-ass people. and I'm, Copying the people from G4 or something. And I'm frankly not interested in that. I need mm. different stuff. Like, if I wanted remakes, I would just go to movies. If right. I wanted, you know, repetition, I could just be inside my own head. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I have other options. I want something different. And as much progress as we've made in terms of this space... We have a long way to go because I feel like if we didn't need to, you know, I feel like if we didn't have to do that, we wouldn't have to have specifically black podcasts. We wouldn't have to have specifically, you know, more to the point, like all female gamers or gaming Mm -hmm. teams or things. We wouldn't need this stuff if this wasn't an issue in the first place. So if anything, any black person wants to enter the space, it's going to be difficult. But from my experience, I've had the most success. And I honestly think I was able to mostly recover from my own trauma in Overwatch League because I did my own thing. Mm. I empowered myself. And that being said, don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm -hmm. It is hard to empower yourself. That is my biggest flaw. And our guests can attest to this. Um, (laughs) I cannot ask for help because of everything that was done to me. I am terrified. But if there are people who support you and genuinely support you, um, because that's the second tip I want to give. I know these are long-winded, but it's true. The second tip I want to give is have a support system that wants to see you succeed. Mm -hmm. Do not have a support system that leeches off you, that only wants you to succeed on their terms. If you hear somebody tell you things like, oh, well, you shouldn't do it this way. Or, well, what about me? Like, things like that. If you hear people come to you, because I've had people literally come to me and say, well, you know, if you try to do this stream or if you try to write this article, you know, what if you blow up? And I'm like, then I'll hide. (laughs) I don't don't need this. I'm doing this to pay my bills because I like doing it. I have no interest in being like a fucking, you know, a fucking famous person. I've seen people do that. They're miserable. I'm already right. miserable. I've reached that quota. I don't. I don't need any more <laughs> of that. Um, I enjoy just you know eating and playing games with my friends. I don't. But if it ends up paying the bills at the same time, hell yeah. You know what I mean? But I also the difference between now and back then that I'm still reconciling with is that I have a support system. Mm. Like I have people around me 
who want to see me happy, who genuinely want to see me succeed, even when I don't see that. And I think especially when you're black and you've just been knocked about by everyone your whole life, it's very difficult to believe that you deserve mm-hmm. it, but you do. You do deserve that. And you, that's really important when you want to get into esports because it can be very clickish. Mm-hmm. It can be very gatekeepy. Frankly, mm-hmm. the communities I've encountered in gaming were no different from when I was in high school. And it it does feel that way, yeah. And if I wasn't really popular in high school, and so when I thought about high school, which was traumatizing in and of itself, <laughs> the one thing that helped me survive was I just continued to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. They even mentioned that in senior year, and people just respected me because I did not care what they thought. I did what I wanted. And we love it. Yeah, and especially like I said, I already have my beef with social media. I hate it. I don't want to deal with it. And if it wasn't for my job, I wouldn't have it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know it's a necessary evil. And I know that beyond that, you know, in my private life, that there are people who do care. So you need mm-hmm. to have that. You can't do everything yourself. Trust me, I've tried for decades. Doesn't work. So I think the two things you need to remember is to empower yourself and to allow people you trust to empower you as well. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Um, my next question to you is what can media companies do to incorporate more black people, more black voices? Hire them. Mm. They're right there. Easy peasy. They're <laughs> right, that's, that's what's infuriating about it. Mm-hmm. It's they're right there. And I think another thing that infuriates me is I've had people tell me they wanted to go into writing and they're afraid to ask because they're afraid of getting rejected. And I'm like, and I will admit a lot of the times the jobs that I've gotten, I'd have to fight for. I had to pitch it to them. And I was Mm -hmm. terrified of doing that because another one of my uh, flaws is that I suck at talking about myself. Right. I just, I've sort of suppressed that ability to promote myself and do that because you know, self-esteem, you know, that whole aggression thing with black women. If you even show, again, like I said, if you show some sort of self-respect, like even a little bit, you're aggressive, things like mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, it's kind of fucked. And there's just so much talent right there. Like. Just reach out and grab it and hire just, it. And they won't. <laughs> and I, I don't get it. And I mm-hmm. understand it's, you know, it could it could 100% be because of racism, but because of it being a boys club or, you know, white women club or whatever, that's also it. There's gatekeeping. There's people unwilling to invest in these communities because of fear of pissing off their base, which mm-hmm. makes no sense since the base is more progressive than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So, like... I feel like I can't really say what else has already been said other than just bloody hire people. Yeah. They're right there. Stop having unreasonable expectations from these people. You can train anyone to do this job. I don't have a journalism degree. (laughs) My background is mainly in three different, wildly different backgrounds. That's criminal justice, that's accounting, and it's screenwriting. Those are my backgrounds. I have no journalism background. But I used my experiences in life to train myself in order to work in journalism. Mm-hmm. And people gave me a chance and I took advantage of it. So if I can do that, these companies can go out and say, you know what? 
here's these programs that you can have for free and don't charge these people because you have money. Create these programs that say, you know what, let's train you in journalism. Mm -hmm. Let's train you in basic writing techniques. Hell, let's train you in writing your resume. You don't have to go to Monster and pay $130 to have somebody look over your resume. Right. Like, have a mentorship program. Like, Queer Women at Esports has that. Like, we're working on a, We have mentorship programs. Like, things like that. They're so easy to do. It's not that difficult. And you have people in the industry who are more than happy to help everyone else. I'm more than happy to do that. And I'm, I barely right. like talking to people. <laughs> so Of course. Yeah, but I also am like, I know people have helped me out. So, I enjoy helping others out. Yes. So, Maybe. yeah, just hire the people. And create an environment where they can thrive instead of using them as collateral. Yeah, and and to that to that point, you know, there's there's a lot of the the kind of uh, we don't know if you're a good fit. You won't know exactly <laughs> unless you give them a try. And in a lot of cases, with anyone who takes a job, they kind of become the right fit. Right? They mm -hmm. kind of mold into not only what you're looking for, but what they're looking for from you. So, right. yeah, as a media company, you can hire just about everyone and you anyone. You can literally rather. hire anyone you want. You could, there's nothing wrong with diversifying your portfolio. Mm -hmm. I have yet to encounter a business, legal or otherwise, that when they diversified their portfolio, that it turned out bad for them. Right. You know, uh, I have yet to see that. If they switch up their whole game, sure. <laughs> That's when, you know, you start taking much bigger risk. But when you're dipping your fingers in different pies, I have yet to see it go awry to the point where it was detrimental. I just think that, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, unless you're a mom and pop shop in the middle of Brooklyn, mm -hmm. you're going to it's going to get stale. Right. You know, and I think a lot more companies should take advantage of that. They should have you a media that? department. Just to focus on black voices until we get, you know, maybe 100, 200 years from now when we won't need to do that. Right. So, IGN, you hear, hire me immediately. Hire. Hire <laughs> this guy. He does good work. Like, that's the thing, though. And I'll definitely cheer for anybody who wants to get into it. Like I said, mm -hmm. I did it for myself. I went up to people and said, I can provide the service. Mm -hmm. And I think that ties into the first the tips I had. Empower yourself. Surround yourself with people who empower you and promote yourself. Mm -hmm. If you feel as if you have something to offer, the worst case scenario is they'll say no. You move on. Right. You already know the worst case scenario. There's mm -hmm. no curveballs here. The worst that'll happen is they say no. Once you get that in your head, it's easy peasy to apply. And you keep at it. Mm -hmm. I think I needed to hear that just now. Yeah. that's all. Feels I, good. The, the second I figured that out, I was like, oh, well, the worst I can say is we don't need you. And I'm like... Okay, cool. I move on. You already yep. know that. And mm -hmm. then you're done. Feels good. Feels good. My final question, uh, three-part-ish question to you. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> Has the landscape changed at all? Does it feel or look more inclusive? And does it include more uh, black people, indigenous people, people of color? I think it's still pretty white, frankly. Mm. Uh, I'm going to be dead honest. I think it's still there. Um I think the progress has definitely been made, though. I think Twitch definitely went in the right direction. But again, mm. it's Black History Month. Right. So if they keep <laughs> up the same energy afterwards, which I have my doubts, mm -hmm. then excellent. 
I had this fear and I thought about it and I saw this in a tweet the other day is that when people take positions that involve diversity and inclusion, that they're basically put in a hostile environment. Yeah. And obviously it's because the hostile environment is being surrounded by white people and being surrounded by people who can do you harm, whether it's mental, emotional, or hell, frankly, even physical. Um, and so that's, I was wondering for a long time why the whole diversity and inclusion category bothered me so much. And that was pretty much why I felt as if I was being sent to war over a battle I didn't even start. Mm -hmm. And it also touches upon something I watched. Uh, you've probably seen this too. Um, when Daniel Kaluuya was asked about his statements regarding race and how he said he was just a black man and they misquoted him because mm. what he was trying to say was when the interviewer asked him, what should we, what should be done about racism? What he was trying to say is, why are you asking me? Mm -hmm. The racism was done to me. What you should be doing is asking yourself how we got here. Right. And that's what I want to drive that point home in terms of esports and gaming. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that having these sorts of programs for black people doesn't help them. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that if this energy continues again throughout the year, that it's only going to get better. What I'm fearful of and what I think is probably going to happen is that we will still be seen as commodities for the brand. Mm. Right. I was used as a commodity for Overwatch League. I was used my whole life for other jobs that I've had being that token. Mm -hmm. I didn't see it any other way than me paying my bills, which is why I was able to deal with it more. Because I just focused on paying my bills and surviving the day. Because most of my life I spent it trying to survive. Now that I'm at the point where I kind of don't want to do that anymore where I want to actually thrive and be better, I start to see it more. Mm -hmm. And my fear again is that not only will we still be seen as commodities just to make brands look good instead of using us to make their company better, more inclusive, and therefore make more money. I also fear that that community in itself will be gatekept. Right. Um, and because it always happens. You know, you can't feel it. Like, for me personally, I don't see myself as a paragon of black women. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Right. Um, I'm really not. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, my mother's from Trinidad, pure Trinidadian. And I was raised in black culture. But at the same time, I'm not your typical black woman, I suppose. Mm -hmm. You know, I've listened, I didn't listen to a lot of R&B and rap until I was a teenager. Before that, I listened to a lot of pop and alternative rock. Right. I listened to, you know, I still do to this day. I listened to a lot of anime soundtracks, <laughs> you know, right. like not even before this, I was literally blasting the soundtrack to Yakuza Zero just so I could get pumped up. Great. Um, Great OST. Oh, fantastic. I can't. <laughs> it's like, give me all the guitars, please. Um, but there's a, especially when I was a kid, I just... Right. We actually I, touched on this a bit 
last episode where yeah. it, the, the typical black voice even right so like yeah we and don't, i'm really not yeah we, <laughs> like what is first of all what does it mean to be black in the eyes of others and what does it mean to sound black in the ears i guess of others um because obviously like we we're, we're pretty aware that we're not what most people think of when they see or hear or experience a black person, let alone a black woman or let alone a gay black man. Like, me. Right. um, so w- what is it exactly they're looking for? And, you know, and, and how, how does that feed into their own prejudices and their, their own racism as it were? Yeah. I think with me, um, there are two sides of me and I think, more subtly, personally, a good example is actually, uh, Harry actually pointed this out to me. Um, cause I'm featured in a lot of his streams cause I play games mm-hmm. with him and stuff and I'm a little more calm, like the worst, like my Trini accent will come out if I scream at him or something like that. <laughs> but in my streams, uh, you know, I'm more black obviously, mm. uh, cause I have a more mixed, uh, viewer base. So, you know, I'll say the N word and just, you know, be, Philly, New York, all over the place. You know mm. what I mean? Um, and he pointed that out. And I said, well, because you got a lot of white people in your stream. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I can't exactly say the N-word in yes. your stream. I mean, I barely can't. Like, I can't say it in front of a lot of people. I can say it in front of my right. audience because my audience knows mm-hmm. me. But, you know, it's that sort of persona. I have to be a different person. And, you know, in terms of that kind of applies with how people see me as black. Because when I was younger, no one saw me as black. Mm-hmm. Not even black people saw me as black, right? Even though I was fifty percent black, at least, right? At least because my father's Puerto Rican, so right. it's like there's black there too. So I, I, I never knew in my whole life what considered what was considered black. I never considered myself black. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a very diverse group of friends. I had, you know, I had Asian friends, I had Jewish friends, I had white friends, I had black friends. I had, I was friends with everyone. It's always you know? that that's always kind of the struggle, especially growing up, where you have this kind of identity based on solely based on your skin color, and then mm. another identity based on your friend groups, where you grew up, how you grew up. And, yeah, and like I like horror you, movies, you know, I you, like right, uh, I, li- I have Celtic tattoos on me, <laughs> you know, right. I, I have a, like I just. Like one of my battle net tags was called chameleon because I would change up my style like every now mm. and then because I just I get bored so easily, you know, mm-hmm. and I just like changing everything up. But to me, at least I considered that to be unapologetically black. Absolutely. You know, I just but that's how I define it, because I'm a black person who likes everything. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, pigeonholing myself to a certain thing and especially you know especially in school people would make fun of how i sounded because you know i quote unquote didn't sound black which was ah, yes. like doubly racist yes because yes, like course. it's wrong because when white people tell me that i'm like okay so what do i sound like were you called the oreo you're right oh 100 percent mm-hmm, i was one no i, I got i also got a coconut oh that was my that. personal quote unquote favorite Hate that. Uh, one. Yeah. So <laughs> I got it Oreo all. From yeah. white people in my high school, mm-hmm. so I definitely. My get friends that. called me that. That's why I'm fucked up today. Because my friends mm-hmm, would call me that. Mm-hmm. They used to call me Chain Chomp. Because I was black and had a big mouth. I said, if you don't stop with your racist <laughs> shit, 
Like Jesus Christ. That's what I'm saying. Like this was stuff I didn't think was an issue that Until. when I left high school and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, my friends were actually cunts. There's a story I like to tell some friends of mine about um, someone I used to know in first grade. First grade, me and two other kids, both white, although one is Cuban. So, you know, take Mm. that as you will. Black. Um, (laughs) Well, Cuban, but with blonde hair and blue eyes. So, um, light black. Put it. (laughs) Well, Cubans are black. Like, I'm like, black adjacent. It's black adjacent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we're all talking about how, um, you know, we're never going to smoke cigarettes when we grow up. Cigarettes are gross, blah, blah, blah. And so. The Cuban kid says to the other white kid, you know, oh, um, I'm not never going to do it, but he might. And, you know, pointing at me. And I mm-hmm. said, why would you say that? Like, That's hello? So weird. And so it took me many, many years. Mm-hmm. And fla- f- flash forward to like sixth or seventh grade. I'm sitting by myself, not paying any attention to anyone. And I see the Cuban kid walk by. And I look at him, and I remember that time, and I said, oh, oh fuck, I get it now. I get mm-hmm. it. He's he's fair-skinned, blonde, blue-eyed, so was this other white kid. I'm the outlier. I'm the, I'm the cigarette smoker. Yeah. Um, so so it's it's funny. You, <laughs> it, it, it's funny that that popped into my head again. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't bring so it up. so salty about it. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, it, it's um, kind, of, kind of a strange uh want i guess to be included with i don't want to say your social betters because that sounds disgusting but you just want to be accepted right but at the same time if you want to i think with me personally after high school and you know through college and just the cesspool that was my 20s uh i realized that I'm sort of tired of having to adjust myself to what people perceive me as. Hmm. I, like we keep saying, I am not the voice of black people. I just happen Mm -hmm. to be a black woman who has all these interests, who sees these injustices, had these injustices done. I can only tell my story. That's all I can tell. That's the one thing I have experience in. Mm -hmm. In terms of journalism, that's what I also like to, I like journalism because then I can hear everyone's side. I can get mm. everyone's story. Whether yes. it's the truth or not, you know, everyone's going to have their own subjective views on things. But that's why it's important for me to get the truth. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important for me to get as much information as I can so I can allow people to come to their own conclusions with all of the information that's available to them. I don't want to create more of a bias than what's already been done to us. Right. I don't want to create any more division. I don't want to do any of that. I, my experience as a black woman was more personal rather than just focusing on history. Cause like everyone else, you know, we weren't taught much black history in school. Mm. that just wasn't in our education system i only learned about it you know around college when i took the initiative and say you know i feel like i'm not getting the whole story here 
mm-hmm. about this country, especially after, you know, while I was getting my degree at the time, we had to visit a prison. And it was like a prison, like right outside Philly. I think it was like a medium security prison. I couldn't remember. And I was talking to prisoners and, you know, a lot of people, I can't, I'll never forget this. There was this one prisoner. He looked a lot like my stepfather, actually. And he was imprisoned on a life sentence um, for attempted murder. And his story was that he didn't commit, he didn't touch anyone. He didn't even hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. The only thing he did was refuse to give up who killed someone. Hmm. He was black. Mm -hmm. That's when I said, wait. Huh? Like, and that, and that, it was far from my first experience with the injustice against black people and regarding the prison system. Far from it. Mm-hmm. But when you see that in person, that's when I said, that's when I started reading like a bookworm. I read everything I could find on the system. I read everything I could find on black history. And that's what brought me to being here today. That's what made me say. There's always something, that one formative moment. Yeah, and the sad part is most people's formative moments is when they see somebody they love die. Mm-hmm. Or if they themselves are hurt or killed. So I take gratitude from that, that my experience wasn't violent. The most violence I ever had in that regard was probably when I went to the protests last year. Um when I was tear gassed and flash banged and everything. But even mm-hmm. then I still don't like talking about that because mm-hmm. not necessarily that it was traumatizing. Like, you know, I, I was blinded for like two and a half, three minutes, but I was calm about it. It's very weird with me. Like when it comes <laughs> to things like that, I'm very calm. I'll flip out if somebody like eats all my Cheez-Its, but if I get tear gassed <laughs> and like explosion, around, I'm like, it's weird. I'm, I just have this calm. Like, okay, sure. if I'm going to get out of here, I have to stay calm and I have to figure a way out. It's very odd. I don't know what that is, but yeah, but that was my experience that had me going, okay, I need to do more. I can do more than what I've become. And, you know, almost 20 years later, I just see this in esports, and I didn't think I would get into esports because I grew up with parents who didn't believe video games could be a career. Mm-hmm. You know, understandably so. You know, no one would have thought that back then. Mm-hmm. But just to see the same things happen here and to see people fighting that is very nice to see. I think the only other issue I see is that non-black people of color, t- color tend to bogart hmm. Black History Month. Um, Take the ex- allyship a little too far. I'm sorry? Take the allyship a little too far. Oh, 100%. And the best example was how messed up it is, how there's a lot of anti-Asian sentiment in this country because of COVID, which is Mm -hmm. royally fucked up, by the way. Absolutely, yes. One of my best friends is Chinese and had to deal with it in his own family. It's really messed up. But then I see posts about how, oh, you guys were cheering for Black Lives Matter. Why can't you do it for us? And I'm like, why you really got to bring us into this? Yeah. On the real, though, like, you really could have just said, we need your help. Yeah. Did we bring anybody else in with our, no. We don't, and that's the thing that I don't understand, and that's the thing that I want people to understand. When we fight for our rights, we want it for everyone. Mm-hmm. 
we understand that if you are not white, you automatically are at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. When we are fighting for black people, we are fighting against centuries of slavery, centuries of a country that was literally built against us. Mm-hmm. We are literally trying to change the entire formation of a whole ass country. That being said, we're doing it for everyone. Yes. So you cannot come to us and say, oh, I want to celebrate back. This is our month. Go away. (laughs) Let us have one. You know, we have Asian American month. We have Hispanic heritage. We have everything. Mm -hmm. But I notice this when it comes to other races. The anti-black sentiment is strong. Mm. And I've seen it in my family, too. You know, being half Latina. I've seen it. And it's, it sucks mm-hmm. because generally all I want to do is to have everybody, we like, we just want equality. Mm-hmm. That's all we want. And like that sister said in the video, you're damn lucky that that's all we want. You yeah. are very lucky all we want is equality and you better be damn praying sure that we don't want revenge. Mm-hmm. Because that, then it would have been an entirely different scenario. Yes. So getting back to the original point, because I know I strayed a little bit, um, I think there's a lot more people and who are doing great work in this space. You know, we have great Twitch streamers like Tanya. We have Critical Bard. We have mm-hmm. I am Brandon. We have people like them. We have Sharpie. We have Cuddlecore. We have great people there in journalism. We have Gita. We have Ash. We have Evan Arcis. We have a lot of great black journalists. We have people in esports like Cuddle, like I said. We had Kodak. We had Snow and Overwatch League. We have people in League of Legends. Like we have a half Latina, half black woman owning one of the biggest esports organizations. Yes, that was huge. Mm-hmm. That was huge for me, and they've done excellent work. And you know, Aaron Simon just got uh, got signed with Puma. There's just so much good things happening. And I'm just so proud of every single one of them. Like my friend Stephanie now writes for Marvel Comics. Hmm, she just wrote that's a Monica wonderful. Rambeau comic. Like, mm! That's wonderful. You know, I was like fangirling with her on WandaVision. Mm-hmm. She reminded me of how much I like, like stuff. I know it's not gaming, but it's like when I see this kind of success, it makes no. me very happy. Absolutely. So has the landscape changed? Absolutely. Um, does it look more inclusive? Jury's still out. Mm. Um, does it include more BIPOC? Yeah. Now, again, whether that's going to change or whether that's going to remain the same or get better, I don't know. Because I want to see how companies see us. I want to make sure this is sustainable, that this is more than just a trend. I don't want to be a trend anymore. I am sick of being a trend. I am sick of not knowing whether my voice is being seen and heard as someone who's a human being instead of someone who is going to get them another 200 likes on Twitter. That's all I want. I want to be seen as a human being. If that energy keeps up and we are seen as human beings who deserve protection, who deserve love, who deserve equal support to our white counterparts, you have my attention. All right. We are watching Twitch and everyone else. Literally <laughs> <IGN>. everyone else. <laughs> Literally every, like every, this goes for everybody. <laughs> 
We're watching. We are watching. Don't forget. Okay, that definitely, definitely answered my question. Okay, good. Gave me some... rambled again. No, it's it's what we do on the show. It truly is. Um, But on that note, we are going to wrap it up. No, I'm kidding. Um, So... As we move along toward the end of the show, we always ask that you give our listeners a recommendation. Which oh. game or games? No, just game. Should they be playing or Single be on game. the lookout for? God, do I troll or do I not? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, I want to troll, but I don't. Okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to bite the bullet. Uh, I'd honestly watch out for Overwatch 2. Hear me oh. out. Hear me out. I am one of these people who's kind of upset that it's taking so long for it to come out because mm. Overwatch has been out for five years now. That's a long ass time. That being said, I'm going to err on the side of optimism. Mm. And based on what I've seen in BlizzCon Online and the fact that they have Sojourn, who's very pretty, mm-hmm. um, and they need to give her to me now, like now, like now. <laughs> Uh, and just with all the, you know, new stuff that they came up with, the new maps, the new designs, the new, you know, play styles and everything. Mm-hmm. I want to believe the delays and, you know, the rehiring of programmers on the game is due to the fact that they really want to give this game some love and care. Yes. And the thing is, I don't mind waiting. I have other games I can play. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not just playing Overwatch now. I'm playing, you know, Paper Mario. I'm probably going to start Ace Attorney again. I'm playing, uh, what's that other game I'm playing? Uh, Yakuza. I'm playing Disco Elysium. I'm playing all these other games. I'm playing mm-hmm. uh, Human Fall Flat later on. Like, I'm playing all these other lovely games. I, I can wait. Everyone mm-hmm. can wait. So if there's one thing I want to say, I don't think it's so much a recommendation as is it as it is a plea. Um, given what I've seen, just be patient. Hang in there. For Overwatch 2. It, it's mm-hmm. coming. We don't know when it's coming, but you guys have lives. It's going to be okay. You can <laughs> pick up a Switch every now and then. You yes. Know, you can diversify your brain, because otherwise you're just going to get frustrated and get angry and say some racist stuff on Twitter. You don't want to do that. No. So, I would say that. Just wait for Overwatch 2. When it comes out, it'll be good. If it's not good, then you can scream into the void. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's uh, that is truly how I'm living my life until it comes out as well. I love Overwatch, and I haven't really played it as much as I used to. But don't do that. Don't I, <laughs> I, I need I I need to just kind of chill and let it let it do its thing, let it run its course, and then when Overwatch Two comes out, I'll I'll uh, I'll pop yeah, back in. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Like you got to take a break from games. Like I play only mm-hmm. because I have good people to play with. That's yeah. literally it. If I was yeah. playing by myself, I'd be like, nah, F this. I'm going back to my Mortal Kombat. No. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm good. But no, it's it's like any other video game. You just, you know, video games used to come out quicker because they weren't as involved. You know, they were yes. cartridges. We've we've become a lot more advanced with our video games. Yeah. The Overwatch uh, uh, community is large. The Overwatch League is a big concept. Um, I mean, you have to you have to let Blizzard run. Time. Let them work. I mean, every Blizzard sucks, single... don't get me wrong. They do. They, <laughs> Blizzard they can, has to run players better, but... every single aspect of that game, of that IP, of their own company. They have a lot to do. So, yeah, be patient. Cons- 
consider this. <laughs> consider patience. That's my game recommendation. Consider patience. patience. That's a <laughs> that's such a good that's such a good non-game but game related recommendation. So yes, yeah. I will agree. Consider patience. Gratification is lovely. Oh, <laughs> I promise. I promise you guys. I used to deal with it. Delay gratification is great. Trust mm-hmm. me. On the same note of that, consider patience. I'm going to actually recommend Final Fantasy XIV. Um, the uh, uh, the uh, next X-Pack has been announced as of, I think, last... No, uh, sometime this month, actually. Um, they had their big announcement about it. It's coming out. It's on its mm-hmm. way. Um, it'll be out, I believe, this fall. So not long. Um, awesome. There you go. But also long enough for you to get started in it if you haven't already um i play on balmung uh which is the uh on the crystal data center so if you come say hello i'll be there you can play with me i'll help you out um it'll it'll be a good time um this is also the expansion that is going to basically end the big story arc that has been in the works since five years ago now or so, oh, wow. I believe. So it is the culmination of everything. And then we are moving on to bigger and hopefully better things. So this is your chance to get in on it while it's fresh. Um, and while it is fresh to so many of us who have been playing for so long. So Come join us on Final Fantasy fourteen. I believe the next patch before the X pack, um, there's supposed to be two parts, so it'll be in March and then in May probably. May, mm. June, July. July, maybe. So come join us. We're having a lot of fun and we wanna have fun with you. That sounds good. Bring awesome. it bring it all in. Um and Hell of course yeah. to finally finish off this episode, put the dagger in the heart. Please let us know where we can find you on the internet and if you have anything else to plug. Oh, okay. Um, I'm so bad at this again. I suck at promoting myself. Okay. Um, if you want to be found on the internet. <laughs> well, I mean, they can find me. They're just not going to be, you know, it's just going to be a lot of politics. You know, guys don't like politics. <laughs> um, well, thankfully, a lot of my socials have the same name. So it's pretty easy. Uh, you can find me on Twitch, on Instagram, on Twitter. Do I have any other ones? Not really. I think the only ones I'm really active on are Twitter and Twitch, but I have an Instagram um, at Briggsy Cakes. Uh, I stream every day now. I also have a big old fundraiser that I'm doing mm. on Sunday. I'm doing a 12-hour stream fundraiser. I'm probably going to die, uh, but it's going to be worth it um, because like everyone else, unfortunately, I got hit with badly with from COVID. Um, mm. So that kind of affected me in terms of my working, in terms of income. So... It would be nice if anybody could stop by just to say, hey, you don't have to donate. It just would be nice to see some good people, have fun. We're going to play a lot of games. Uh, but, yeah, I usually hang out there. Um, if you want to join my Discord, by all means, uh, you can just shoot me a message. We talk a lot of crap there, but it's fun. Um, other than that, uh, support Tier 2, please. Uh, tier 2 Overwatch. Mm. And, yeah, I think that's it. Trying to think about Excellent. oh yes also go visit queer women of esports please they do a lot of great work yes um and also go to hot spawn the esports newsletter i work for they put out a lot of great articles they're really we have a lot of talented writers there so please visit them and yeah very also good, support very here good. too i say that once more time because <laughs> jesus christ they need help very please help them please help them um very good very good very good 
Um, as always, you can find me at Common Gears. Gaming. Oh, also, it's this Sunday. It's this Sunday. What's this Sunday? That's the fundraiser. It's this Sunday. Ah, perfect. Okay. I will link that in the show notes, so look out for that, listener. I just, he, just, he messaged me. He's like, just tell him it's Sunday. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> as always, you can find me at Jace Gaming on Twitter. You can find the Weekly Cooldown as well on Twitter at WK Cooldown. Be sure to visit the Weekly Cooldown Facebook page. I suppose it's there. I haven't updated it in a while. I probably should update it, but eh, you know, someone's visiting. Updating is overrated. It is a little bit, right? Yeah. Someone's up. Someone's visiting it. So shout out to whoever that is. Um, <laughs> visit wkcooldown.com for more news and other episodes. Be sure to leave a review or comment on Apple Podcasts, please. It really helps out the show. You can also leave it on Podchaser, which is a significantly better program than the Apple Podcast, to be quite honest. Um, be sure to check out the links in the description, including, of course, our Humble Bundle for this week. And support your favorite charities and support the show. Our logo and art is done by Corkian of Doghouse Esports. Yes. Follow him at D-O-G-H-O-U-S-E-C-O-R-G-I-A-N Doghouse Corgian on Twitter. Um, our intro music is done by Zach Brider of Captive Portal. That's all for the weekly cooldown. I'm Kami Jace. And I am Brixie. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>